0: Hello beautiful people and thank you for taking the time to listen to the latest episode of the Learning To Be podcast. This is a podcast for curious humans where I talk to incredible and inspiring guests about their journey of self-discovery and self-acceptance. My name's Amy Holdy and I'm a life coach and writer living in London. I work predominantly with women who feel they've lost touch with who they are, what makes them happy and they want more from life but they feel guilty for saying it out loud because on paper their life looks successful. I talk more about my work as well as my everyday thoughts and experiences honestly and openly on my Instagram so you can follow me there at amyholdy. You can also head over to my website amyholdy.com to find out more about my work as a coach and download some free resources. This week, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with my mum, so it's a little bit of a different episode. But before we get into that, I want to raise the topic of judgment with you. Judging other people is something that I'm sure we're all guilty of, but often the judgment of others comes from a place of insecurity within ourselves. My mum and I discuss judgment in the context of motherhood. But if we're not careful, we can let it seep into all parts of our life. As far as I can tell, nothing positive comes out of the act of judging others or ourselves. So next time you feel that part of you wanting to criticise or mock another human's life choices, just try not to and see what happens. And now a little more about the conversation with my mum that you're about to hear. I wanted to record a chat with my mum because learning to connect and feel understood by my family, particularly my mum, was a big part um in my own journey to finding my voice and actually beginning to um, be able to understand myself me and my mum talk about what it felt like when she became a mother in the 80s having to go back to work at a time when she felt that that was frowned upon we also chat a lot about identity and how there are lots of different parts to us that need to be nourished even when you do become a mother My mum shares the guilt that she felt at times because she didn't think she was living up to the idealised image of what a mother should be and we talk about how we've all put in the effort to connect and understand each other as a family so that we can build real relationships with each other as adults and not just feel stuck in the roles of parent and child. I want to thank my mum so much for doing this because I know that some of what we discussed is hard for her Um, I wanted to get this conversation out into the world because I know that mother-daughter relationships can be complicated. Ours is just one version of that but maybe some people will be able to resonate. So here it is. Today I'm here with my amazing mum Val and uh, she's laughing while I'm saying that Um, and uh, we're going to have a chat about our Relationship. And the reason that I wanted to have my mum on the Learning to Be podcast is because I think, particularly, mother daughter relationships uh, can be quite complicated because there's always lots of different emotions involved. And I've been thinking a lot about this recently. And I had a really interesting Reiki session. Um, And we were talking a lot about the mother wound and I just thought that this would be a really interesting topic for a podcast and also something that I guess a lot of people can probably relate to in one way or another. And I think the thing that I've learned over the years is that we're all just doing our best in a family or relationship context and everyone takes different Bits away from it and interpretations. And the most important thing to do is to talk about things so that you can actually understand each other. And I think you and I, so me and my mum, have done that a lot over the last probably six, seven years. Um, And that's also encouraged us to speak a lot as a family. And I think it's been really healing and uh, beneficial for us. And also, I recently had a little girl, and I think that's also added another layer of closeness to my relationship with my mum so yeah it just felt like a really good time to have a sort of review (laughs) um and hopefully other people will be able to connect with some of the things that we're talking about as well so hi mum hi Amy um yeah thank you for being on my podcast
1: you're very welcome how does how
0: does it feel to be interviewed by your daughter
1: well, I think I've been interviewed by my daughter for lots of my life, really, so <laughs> quite normal. <laughs> um,
0: so yeah. I guess it would be interesting, first of all, to talk about like, what it meant to you to be a mother and take that as you will.
1: Gosh, that's a big question. Um, well, I was very keen to be a mother... And it was a very much a choice to have a baby. Um, and I was thrilled to have a daughter and the, the day that you were born was probably, it's going to make me cry now, probably the happiest day of my life because having a baby, well, I found it made me feel really complete and, um, and I guess it's all chemistry and all of that in your body but that's how it made me feel. Um, I was part of that generation who were one of the first really to go back to work after they'd had a baby and that was very hard um, because um, that felt wrong to be going back to work and there was a lot of judgment I felt about it and I judged myself and I remember in hospital feeling that I wasn't a proper mum because I knew I was going back to work so that was there Um, but some of my friends who'd done it said oh it'll be fine it'll work out but that was all very tricky Um, and of course dad wasn't earning very much money so there was a big issue about of that was that was the big issue but I found I loved being on maternity leave and earlier we were speaking about the friends you've made being on on, well maternity leave as it were and I found a good group of friends and I really enjoyed it Um, that was my first feelings about being a mum I suppose.
0: So that sounds pretty tough in terms of feeling like you weren't a mother and judging well, yourself. Well, I wasn't and, a proper mother. Yeah, a There was some mother. gap, yeah. And what, so just for people who, you know, don't know our family situation, so what was the thinking behind you going back to work? Was it purely because you felt financially it was the only option? It's
1: very hard to remember exactly now because it's a long time ago, but I'm pretty sure that was yeah that was it having said that my identity was very wrapped up yeah in my job um and at one well when I went back to work I then asked because I was a teacher I then asked the head teacher if I could go part-time and he said he would look into it and I remember finding finding that quite difficult because I felt I was giving up part of my identity. So it wasn't straightforward, but I was going to do that. And then he never got back to me and I didn't push it. I mean, it was different in those days. Like now you can ask for part-time and it's much more routine. It wasn't then. And my head of department said to me, well, if you resign, he'll then say, come back part-time. But I wasn't, I've never been a risk taker and I wasn't prepared to do that. So, and I just got used to it, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and we spoke about that recently about you saying that you did ask to go part time and the response, well, the lack of response that you Mm. had. And I do understand what you mean about your identity because, again, as you know, um, since having Roxy, that's been a massive thing that I've felt. You know, I kind of, there are lots of parts of my identity and. I'm not just a parent to Roxy, there's lots of other parts of me that I want to continue to nurture. But I guess, even I now, like 30, nearly 34 years later, feel like being a mother within society's view, kind of is takes precedent over all of those other parts of yourself and i don't necessarily think that it has to obviously your child's always your priority but i feel like often women are expected to kind of once they become a mother it's like well that's your job now that's what you that's what you should completely focus on your whole self um and I feel like that now. So I guess back then, mm. that definitely would have been something probably that was even more of a feeling because things hadn't progressed as much as they have today. And I think that's still a feeling.
1: I'm interested that you still feel it now. That surprises me. That is that is very interesting because I did think things had changed and, you know, I don't think I know a young woman who's had a baby and hasn't gone back to work in some way. Um, so that's interesting.
0: But I guess it's like, yeah. I think speaking to people, I think there's still a massive guilt around mm. it, and but also, you know, want. I think now people want to, women. Or people who identify as women want to do lots of different things, even if they do have children. And I think there is still a part of people that feels guilty for that. You know, it's like, but why? You know, it's almost like people are saying, well, your child isn't enough. And it's like, well, there are lots of elements to people, aren't there? Just having a child isn't probably enough to make you feel fulfilled in every aspect of your life.
1: Yeah, I I don't I don't remember articulating it like that. I I think I had this idyllic notion in my head of the mother at home with the children making jam and cakes. <laughs> From the fifties. <50s. laughs> and um there there was a series, Lucy and Tom by Shirley Hughes picture books. And I used to love that because that was my picture of what it was like to be a mum and that you know, it was an idealised view. And if I'm thinking about it now, I felt that I could have had that if I hadn't been at work, which of course wasn't true because that was an idealised world.
0: And I, like you said about your a big part of your identity being your job, do you really think that you would have been happy being I, that picture book?
1: I don't know. I thought I would have been but I don't know.
0: I think it would have been great if you'd had more options. Mm. But I don't... Personally, I don't think you would have been fulfilled being that traditional stay-at-home mother. But maybe you would have got involved in lots of groups and bits mm. and pieces. I don't know. Maybe you would have been, but...
1: Yeah, you. we just won't know. Yeah. We just won't know. But I've certainly got a lot of pleasure out of my career, undoubtedly. And a lot of... Um, yeah, a lot of feeling of reward and satisfaction out of my career. Yeah. No question about that.
0: Yeah. Um, so obviously you then went back to work full time and dad was looking after me. Well,
1: well, at that point, we were both working full time and you okay. went to a childminder who was a friend. And that was that worked well because I trusted her and I knew her and she had a little boy the same age as you. And you were very happy there. Um, But shortly after that, she then was expecting her next child. And you had to change to another childminder. And that's not ideal to keep moving your child around. Yeah, we had a few changes. And then we moved location completely. And that's when Dad started looking after you more. So you were about two and a half at that point.
0: And how did you feel then?
1: Oh, I was happier. Yeah. That you were being looked after by your parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Much happier about that. And... Even though I did come home and you were in kilts and summer sandals and a right <laughs> mixture of clothes and whatnot.
0: But, so do you... So when Dad was looking after me and you were working, did you feel quite content with the situation? I think
1: so, yeah. yeah. Again, I'm trying to remember it, but yeah. I think so. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. And I if we're talking about our relationship like you know and I guess the sort of milestones in terms of when things were good and when things weren't so good like when do you think that because when I was little I guess it was just it just was wasn't it you know your kid is just your kid right and you can play with them and blah blah, blah, blah. but when did you start to feel like I distanced myself from you and dad as people well
1: quite young actually it was like well, you were still in primary school I would have said it was the last term of primary school and you started to withdraw into yourself um, and of course we had another child by that point and I've always wondered if that's made a difference um, yeah and then for quite a long time I felt you were alright, you had friends you were doing well at school you seemed to be fine but didn't really want to connect, certainly with me, I felt.
0: Did you feel it was you over Dad, more spe- like specifically?
1: No, I didn't actually. I thought it was us as your parents. Yeah. And um, my interpretation was that you were becoming a teenager. You'd always wanted to grow up and be independent and do things yourself. And I took it that that was your way of doing that. You know, I don't need my parents anymore. I am going to make my own way, um, which is what I think it, I would think. As yeah, well. and I, I think sometimes I did try and say what's wrong, and and didn't really get anywhere with that. So I just thought I had to bite the bullet and wait till you grew up a bit more. Mm. That was my feeling about it.
0: Because it's weird. Because I do obviously I remember feeling like I was quite on my own. But it's really hard, isn't it? Like, as I was said at the beginning of the recording, that, you know, it's difficult. I think it's really healthy to kind of go back and talk about things to understand each other. But it's also really hard because you're trying to analyse something that's so long ago, Mm. where you probably don't really remember even like the feelings that you had at that time. Mm. Because Obviously, I know that I withdrew from the family. But it's difficult to know why, because obviously I was so young, I can't even really remember mm. what the chain of events were that would have led to that. But I remember feeling like, yeah, I remember feeling withdrawn from the family. Mm. Um, And I guess also I remember feeling like I just couldn't speak. And I think that was something that actually manifests itself in lots of different parts well in my whole life really but I don't again I don't really know where where that came from so I remember like when I had my first boyfriend and I remember being on the bus like coming home from school being like oh I wanted to tell you but I would like play it over in my head being like oh, the conversation but then I physically couldn't say it mm. and I think that was the thing I kind of just couldn't really speak about anything like remotely personal or mm. but I think I mean I was probably better with my friends but I think I still didn't know how to speak about myself even in that yeah. situation. And I you know, I'd
1: read that the important thing was for teenagers to talk about their stuff. Um and if they couldn't talk to their parents, well as long as they could talk about it. And I always took it that you could talk to your friends about it because you had such a lot of friends. And you always seemed so happy with them and relaxed with them. But it sounds like you weren't really doing that with your friends as much as I thought.
0: Yeah, I think I, again, it's hard to remember, isn't it? But I think I did speak to my friends. I'm not saying that. But I think generally I found it quite difficult to... to Open up. Yeah, open Mm, up. And I don't know where that really came from.
1: It was probably a reaction to the fact that I tell everybody about everything to do with me. (laughs)
0: I just I re- I don't know yeah it's like because the I opposite. think I had to learn which is what you know ultimately what happened in my later 20s I but that was because things got so bad and I was I felt like I was carrying so much internally mm. that I felt really quite ill and then that led me to obviously go to speak to a counsellor and learn how to speak about myself and learn how to mm open up to people around me and as I think my friends that have known me for a long time would say that now I'm quite different to what I was when I was even in my 20s mm. um because I just didn't I don't know I just obviously when something did happen I would speak to them but I think just on the day-to-day I found it really hard to express myself well I can think of
1: two incidents where even as a small child, I was surprised how much you kept to yourself. So when we moved, when you were about seven, and I remember going up to see you in bed and you were crying in bed, this was bedtime. And I said, what's the matter? And you said, oh, I miss my old home. But you were obviously going to stay in your room and cry to yourself rather than come and say. And that was quite disturbing for somebody of seven to, you know, to hide away in their room and be upset like that. And I mm. found that upsetting. And then when your guinea pig was taken, you must have been eleven, and you looked out. Do you remember, you looked out of the window, and it was early in the morning. It must have been I don't know five o'clock in the morning or something in the summer, and you saw a fox come in because I think um, the other guinea pig was making a bit of a din, and you looked out. And the fox took your little Lucy and then jumped over the wall. And then you saw the fox go past the gate again with Lucy in its mouth. And again, you were really upset, but you didn't come down and tell us. Mm. So I think even from a youngster, you were keeping things to yourself. Yeah. And I don't know
0: why. That's what I mean. Like, I feel like I actually really did have to learn how to open up. Mm, mm. So maybe it's just that it's not something that comes naturally to mm. some people.
1: Yeah, I don't know, but that's what it sounds like.
0: And um, then it becomes like a thing because if you've never really done it, I think I sort of built things up in my head as well, Um, which would then kind of keep me quiet because it felt like a really big deal then to start mm. saying things about myself because I guess if you never really have... Mm. It's like more of a issue, isn't it? Mm. Um, So yeah, I mean, that was from, so you said about 11, you felt like I was kind of closing down. Withdrawing, yeah. And then, yeah, I mean, from what I remember of like teenage years, I just remember like not really feeling like I had really a relationship with you and dad's. Really, I think I just wanted to be with my friends all the time, which again, I guess, is pretty normal, isn't it? Like, yeah, for teenagers. I remember
1: you lying on the settee with a big (laughs) cushion stuck on top of you, not speaking.
0: (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's probably quite accurate. Tired. I think uh, what I remember as well is that I think we've all just changed so much as well. Like, that's what that's why I think it's really interesting to have this conversation because I don't think people necessarily think about, you know, like with your friends, you, you're always kind of putting in the effort to like, um, stay up to date with them, like you go and meet them for coffee or you invest time in the relationship and, I think, and like, you know, a relationship with your partner or whatever, you know, you accept that you have to put in work and effort to Mm. make it a good and healthy relationship. Mm. And that actually also you accept that it will change over time because people change. But I feel like with our family relationships, we don't really do that. It's just like, oh, it's family. So it just is. But it's still... If anything, it should be nurtured more than any relationship because it's the people that are either the closest to you or the most important to you or that have had the biggest impact on your life, whether positive or negative. So I just think that there's like a bit of a gap there that generally we don't put in the same amount of effort and time that we would to other relationships.
1: Yeah, it's a trap. I think some people do put put it in. Um I mean we we knew a family with three girls and I know the parents took it took turns to take each girl somewhere or spend time with each one and at the time I thought that was a bit oh, I don't know, planned and managed. But looking back, I think that was brilliant.
0: Mm.
1: I think that was a really good thing to do.
0: But it also depends on your kids, doesn't it? Because actually, say you'd suggested, oh, let's do this thing together. I might have been like, oh, I don't really want to. Mm. So it also depends on your kids, doesn't it? Mm. Whether they're willing to also. Especially when you're like a teenager. But I think, yeah, it just seems like, you know and also like now it's much more common for people in relationships to go to counselling and things like that and I think that's still probably like it's a bit of a taboo isn't it if you say oh we're going to family therapy and you're like an adult family I don't think people would expect that because I think people just generally I'm talking accept relationships how they are and think that's just how it is I can't change it it's pointless it's you know it is what it is sort of thing and I think that's a bit I know that all families are different and some people may have quite toxic relationships with their parents or siblings mm. or whatever so it's better just left as it is but I'm just sort of, sort of talking about you know your average family there probably is quite a lot to be said for putting in the effort like you might invest in other relationships in your life
1: yeah and um the, the trouble is though you can think you're doing all these things. Mm. I mean, I thought I was doing all those things um so that's that's the difficult part knowing, yeah, you know whether you really are. I did hear a radio program where the topic was teenagers withdrawing and you know going quiet, sulky, moody, whatever, and the message was. If they are, there's something wrong. Don't just assume it's they're being a teenager. So obviously that is a common thing. Mm. And I look back and I think, how could I have helped you to talk? And I, I honestly don't know how I could have done. And but I'm, I sure don't... There, I'm sure there's something we could have done.
0: I don't either, because I think, obviously I was very closed from myself as well, because I don't. Like I didn't, a lot of the time I felt like there was something I wanted to say, but I didn't know what, yeah. that was even how bad it was. That was sort of how much I guess I'd lost my mm. voice because mm. I didn't even know what it was myself. to say. Mm. Um, which is kind of quite sad really, but... Um, it
1: does make me sad.
0: But um, I don't think that's, that's not, that's just obviously mm. that was me as a person.
1: Yeah, I think when we first started talking about this sort of five or six years ago, it made me very sad because it was wait, wasted years, wasted times. But you have to accept that that happened. You can't get that back. But the good thing is we we are moving on from it. And yeah. and that's that's really, really important. And
0: also, I mean, I personally would say that we have a really good relationship now. Yeah. And maybe we wouldn't have done... If unless we'd gone through that whole process and Mm, I don't know.
1: But I think it was very brave of you because you broached it with me about and you see, I thought all that had gone because when you went traveling and you came back,
0: which was when I was about 22. Yeah.
1: Well, when you came back, you were I felt you were a different person. Mm. You were different with us. You would you talked to us. It was like it had all gone. So when you broached it several years later, I was surprised because I thought we'd got over it all and obviously we hadn't, but it was very brave of you, very brave because you didn't know how we'd react and, you know, it was, it's made fantastic changes in our whole family, I think.
0: Well, I think um, when I went travelling, because it was for about a year and a half, which doesn't really sound that long, but I think... Because I was quite young, it felt like a really long time to not see any of my family. And I think it's almost like, you know, distance makes the heart grow fonder, isn't it? Because I'm really lucky to have two parents and a brother that I really respect and love. And I think that having that space between us really made me appreciate that what I did actually have and Mm. also I guess I had to grow up quite a lot and I think yeah I think I probably just came back feeling like I was more of an adult and
1: so it's a bit of a rite of passage
0: yeah which is really cheesy um no it's not but I think yeah it was so I think the relationship between all of us started to shift then because it felt like more of an equal relationship Mm from my side anyway. I guess I felt like I wasn't a child anymore and we were able to all connect as like equals. And you and dad have always made that possible, which again, I think is maybe not the norm. You know, you do see Robbie and I as adults and you do listen to us and take on board our opinions and things like that. And I think just observing some of the sort of parent child relationships that I see around me. It's like not every parent does that. And I think that that is really cool. You know, I don't think that's easy for, and it comes naturally to you and dad, I think. I don't think that's something that you...
1: Well, I think we're really interested in what you have to say and the way you look at things. We find it really interesting.
0: Um, Thanks. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> <laughs> um But yeah, so I think, you're right like sort of early 20s obviously I think things definitely shifted in mm. the relationship but I remember like um do you remember when I was living in London and I got really upset because I felt like you and dad didn't ring me yes I do so there was obviously something going on there and again it's really I can't really remember the details of it but I think it was because I was living with two other people who became really good friends and their relationships with their parents was quite different it was quite it was more intense in the sense that they would speak a lot mm. on the phone and and that kind of thing and to be honest i don't think i've ever really been someone that likes speaking on the phone and you're not either i mean dad likes speaking on the phone but um yeah. i remember being really upset cuz i i remember speaking to you and dad or something and being like you never ring me like
1: well, I think you didn't ring us to see how long it would yes. take us to ring you. It was little test. And it was
0: ages. Which we failed. But <laughs> that's weird because now you ring me all the time. So I wonder if...
1: No, what that was about was we always felt... Well, I didn't discuss it with Dad, but I always felt we were there if you needed us. You had your own life. We were a bit extra to it. And we were there if you needed us.
0: That's weird, though. And
1: then I think that conversation showed me that you did want to hear from us you did so you want didn't us. think
0: was this from the past that you just felt like I didn't yeah ah. yeah it was it was so because I'd pushed you away in the yeah. past you were like well you don't Well, we,
1: we just live our life and we're there when Amy wants us you know
0: <laughs> right okay yeah
1: that was what that was about
0: so you were testing me no it's
1: just <laughs> it was joking. just a way of living I'm joking
0: yeah um yeah because I do remember that I remember being like well, they get they get called all the time by their parents, and I was like, "Why don't my parents ring me?" Because <laughs> <laughs> you basically ignored them for ten years. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> um. Yeah. And then I think, um. Yeah, things were definitely different then, and I. But then, there must have been
1: an undercurrent still, mustn't there? Yeah, because yeah. I think
0: for me, which is which is ironic, really, considering what we've just been speaking about in terms of. I would never been able to. I didn't really feel that I had a voice. I actually think that I really need to resolve things and speak about things. Um, as a person, like I find if something's upset me, something you know that's important enough, like I would want to speak about it with with the person and sort
1: it out. Or if I felt
0: like I'd upset somebody else, for example, Mm. I would want I would want to raise it with them, even if. I thought things were fine. I'd want to yeah, discuss it with it Um And so I guess the fact that there had been this like really weird sort of 10 years or so relationship between me, you and Dad, I did definitely feel like I needed to... Well, I, did, I don't think I consciously thought that, but yeah, when I was about 26, 27, I just felt like this weight of loads of different things I really I think I was drowning in the fact that I hadn't ever articulated really any inner feelings
1: Mm. um and you needed to yeah that's the point isn't it you needed to
0: yeah and um yeah I remember that was really bad because I'd obviously not long been going out with Ollie and I think he got the brunt of that because I'd just be like whenever I'd had too much to drink I would just be in floods of tears But it was obviously all of this stuff trying to come out in some way. Um, And, yeah, and I think being with him also helped because I felt... I think I felt like I could really be myself as well with him, Um, which obviously all of those things must have created that situation. Where
1: you could finally... Yeah. Sort it out and, yeah, express yourself. Yeah,
0: and then I started to speak to a... um, counselor and through those sessions obviously slowly I mean I actually it was I don't know exactly what kind of therapy it was um but it was it was probably exactly what I needed at the time but it was so awkward because um she it was that kind of therapy where they don't say anything (laughs) which was like my worst nightmare um I think did that push you then yeah but also the thing is I've no I know and I'm still like this um less so but still like it like I like to make people feel comfortable so and also I like to I want people to like me and so I would be going into these like counseling sessions like almost trying to (laughs) have a conversation and like being like oh I wonder what she thinks about me and it was all really weird um But because I I didn't get anything back from her. I found that so uncomfortable because I couldn't analyse what she thought at all. Or get a relationship. Yeah, exactly. Which I guess was the point. But yeah, I mean, I I found it pretty gruelling. But I think it really did help me to start, yeah, speaking. And through those sessions, I realised that I needed to have a conversation with you and Dad. But I think it was particularly with you. And I guess going back to the whole, you know, purpose of this chat is that, there is a difference, I think, between the mother-daughter relationship to any other like relationship in the family. Um, and I was speaking to somebody recently about this, and it's kind of obvious if you think about it, but um, I'd never really thought about it in this way before. And um, she was saying that because, you know, as women or anyone who identifies as a woman in society, it's like, you're oppressed, ultimately. And it's like you're always kind of fighting and that puts pressure onto your relationship with your daughter, you know, and it can in in a number of different ways. Maybe you want them to succeed in ways that you feel that you were unable to, or, um, I don't know, maybe some people might feel jealous that their child's had more opportunities, more freedom, blah, blah, blah. you know what I mean? It, it mm. can play out in all different, different kinds ways. And obviously a lot of this is going to be subconscious, but I thought that was quite interesting and, and kind of obvious, but I'd never really thought about it because it is a, it's a wounding, isn't it? That we all kind of carry, you know, it's like a weight that everyone's carrying and just passing it on. Do you know what I mean?
1: Um, I think intellectually, I know what you mean, but I can't say I've ever felt that emotionally.
0: No I don't mean that you would consciously mm. but yeah it's just something interesting I yeah, guess to think yeah. about. Um, so yeah and then I did speak to you about um, The can't... silent years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing that was even weirder I think because there wasn't really anything it wasn't like there was a big event you know there wasn't a big argument or
1: I almost felt we needed a big argument and we didn't have one.
0: Yeah, maybe that would have been... Well, that would have been healthier because yeah. there would have been some form of communication. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that was, the, that was weirder because it was like... There wasn't anything to be like, oh, do you remember that whole thing? You know, like the argument or...
1: When you did yeah, this. Yeah, it wasn't that.
0: It was just like, do you remember the silence? Which obviously you did because it went on for so long. But, you know, it was weird to even try and discuss it because it was so... Mm odd and like complicated i guess
1: and trying to work out why it had happened yeah was was difficult wasn't it
0: and i think that's what we both kind of well i don't know maybe i know originally you were very upset and you felt really guilty and stuff like that which i said i didn't think you should have done but you were i think really looking for an answer would you say that's fair well yes because you, do,
1: you think, well, what, why did that happen? And then you start to think of the part you've played and what you did, and could you have done it differently? And it, yes, it's all pointless, but that's natural, isn't it? Yeah. You would think that. Um. I, well, you don't listen to The Archers, but there's a character in that who's Granny's age. She's 88, 9, something like that. And her daughter's just had a nervous breakdown. And the first thing she says to her son is, was it my fault because of when I did such a thing (laughs) and that's being a mother yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: you immediately think you've done all sorts of terrible
0: things (laughs) but do you feel now like that we have as a family been able to be like well that just happened
1: yeah I think now yeah I think so
0: and yeah and
1: and it's It takes time. Time is a great healer, isn't it? And it's taking time to accept, understand, move forward. I I guess there's a grieving process, isn't there? I hadn't Mm. thought about it before, but there probably were those stages about what happened and then you come to terms with it and you move on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. So that was, yeah, when I was sort of about 27, I think, and now I'm nearly 34. And I feel that our relationship has continued to build and yeah. in a positive way yeah, since then I do because it it fell I think having that conversation well for me anyway I know it was hard but um it was like the first time that I felt we could have a real like authentic relationship mm, because I
1: without pretending
0: yeah I think that's what I felt like when obviously we had we got on and stuff you know in my earlier 20s I think I always felt like there was this elephant in the room almost <laughs> yeah. like I don't know I don't know you probably didn't feel like that because maybe because I felt... it was my
1: interpretation that you had been a teenager and now you weren't but of course that wasn't really all, all it was
0: well so you'd I, yeah. feel differently about it I mean I just think yeah I just I think it was me not feeling that yeah I could almost be a real person or be have vocalize mm things and I you know I think there was also things like when I told you about that I'd had an abortion when I was quite young and I think that was something that I'd because obviously I never spoke to you about it at the time and then I think I sort of built that up in my head to be like well you would be really ashamed of me and I was wouldn't be the daughter that you thought you had and you know you can kind of Yeah, construct a load of stuff around. And so I think that was definitely something as well. And obviously not really speaking about anything in that sense Mm. wasn't very healthy. So I think there were loads of things going on that kind of just meant I was very detached from the family.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we just we just gotta accept it, haven't we? That's all we can do.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um so, I mean, how would you describe our relationship now? Oh, I think it's a really good
1: relationship now. And I think we can talk to each other, and we do, and we have fun with each other. And it's just transformed. I, I think there was a key moment when you were telling me how you'd felt as a teenager. And I got very upset, and we did have an argument.
0: Well, and... it was our form of an argument, which yeah. Is pretty... and... And I
1: thought, and I said at the time, I think this is quite healthy. And I remember you saying to me afterwards, you know, the fact we'd stuck through it and stayed that night because, you know, we could have just gone our own ways, but we didn't Showed how much we loved each other. And I think that's the point that it's all the way through because we are, although we have lots of things in common mm. and lots of qualities in common, we are very, very different people. And we don't always get each other. No. But the point is we keep trying. And I think we didn't in the past, but but we do now. That's
0: my whole point about families, you know, that with your friends and stuff, you kind of accept that you're different, but you still work on it. And I don't Mm. think we do in families. Mm. Maybe it's that because you're related by blood, people just assume that, okay, well, we should kind of not have to work with it. I don't know. But you do, because you are different, aren't you? Mm. Like, what ways do you think we are very different? How would you... Well, I think,
1: you know, Dad likes to think he's a bit of a bohemian, and I think there's part of you that's like that. (laughs) But there's also part of you that's very planned and organised, and that's me. Yeah. So I think you've got the two things going on in you, which isn't surprising.
0: Yeah. And I also think that, obviously, I grew up and um you know changed obviously from being a teenager but i also think you've changed a lot in those years as well because um looking back i do think you were quite a different person in in many ways when i was younger because you had a really stressful job you were a teacher you felt a lot of responsibility that i didn't understand at the time but there's a few things that you've spoken about since you mm. know little things like what you wear Mm. And you were like, well, now I can wear that or whatever. And I mm. don't think I'd really realized how much your you being a teacher like impacted everything in your life. Mm. I didn't. Maybe you didn't really realize it yeah, until maybe. you mm. until you retired. But I think you've definitely kind of
1: opened relaxed up. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think you've also opened up and relaxed. So we've both done that. Mm. Do you think that's fair?
1: Yeah, but I would like to think, even if I'd still been working, that we could have.
0: Got yeah, on but I'm just, I'm just saying that all of those <laughs> yeah. things.
1: They all go in the melting pot.
0: Yeah, make it easier, obviously, mm. for everyone to get on, don't yeah. they?
1: Yeah, but it it's interesting because, you know, pe- people that I know where there's an issue with, the child and the parent, and now I would say, well, they need to talk about it. Well, I don't think I'd have thought about that before, really.
0: Which is weird because you do speak about everything.
1: Well, maybe that's why. <laughs> because I don't find that hard. Yeah, right. And therefore, there's another big difference then between yeah. us. Because I would never have understood that no. unless you'd really whacked me in the face with it. Because which is what I had to whatever do. Whatever I mind. think or feel is out there straight away.
0: Yeah. And maybe you're right. Maybe I did find that quite intimidating because I couldn't do that. You
1: were swamped with all my thoughts and feelings. Well, no, but
0: maybe I just... I don't know. But, yeah, it's an interesting thing to think about, isn't it? Like, because you were there sort of modelling that behaviour and that I felt was so alien to me, maybe Mm. that made me feel weird or closed down more because I felt, well, why can't... Yeah, why can't I do that? It's just, you know.
1: I do think although Dad isn't quite like that, I do think there's a part of Dad where he doesn't want to talk about things like that. You know, so there's there's that in there as well. Whereas
0: I want to, but I didn't know how. So yeah. maybe, again, that's where I've got both. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, well, you know, on, the, on paper, Dad and I are completely incompatible, aren't we? <laughs> True. So there we are, that's probably what it's all about.
0: Yeah. But what I really loved was that um, I'm really glad that you were at the birth of roxy and i really loved it that i think it was a day or two after she was born and you said i feel like her or being at the birth is like really healed has been really healing for our relationship and i I agree i think yeah and i don't know i can't really i was thinking about this recently and i was like i agree that it has you being at her birth and maybe me just having her has been really healing for our relationship and i was thinking why And maybe it's because I can also understand where you're coming from more than I ever could because I've now got a daughter as well. Maybe it's that I can understand how you feel about me. Yeah. Or something. Yeah, and
1: it's a hard thing to say because not everyone has children. And it's a hard thing to say that there's an ingredient there that makes a difference. But I know when I had you... My, Because my relationship with my mum was good, but we had tetchy times, undoubtedly. And I understood how she felt about me. And that changed... When you had me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that changed how I saw her. Because whatever happens, whatever horrible thing happens, you'd rather it happen to yourself than to your child. um, And that's quite an eye-opener. Yeah. And so... That, yeah, it did change my relationship with my mum. Also, she expected things differently from me as well. She changed to me. It wasn't just me. Mm. So our relationship improved massively after I had you. So that's interesting.
0: Yeah. But I think, yeah, you know, you were just amazing. Well, you still are amazing. But after, you know, Roxy was born and helping us out. and
1: And I wanted to do it. Yeah, And I got a lot out of it and still do. Because <laughs> she's only three months old, there's a long way yeah. to go. <laughs>
0: um, so, yeah, it was just... When you said, oh, it was really healing, I was like, yeah, definitely. I don't think I would have maybe recognised it unless you'd actually said it, but I think it definitely mm. Mm. um, was, is, was, whatever. Um, So, yeah, but I think... It's just that I feel, yeah, like we said, you know, I think we're in a really good place now. And I think it's encouraged all of us to speak more as a family. Would you... Yeah. Everything that's kind of happened... Oh, definitely.
1: The... Yeah, definitely it has. And the fact that you um, are quite happy to come on a British holiday with us is amazing.
0: can't <laughs> <laughs> believe it. Babysitting on tap. <laughs> um, Yeah. And I, I think, though, that the point is as well that relationships whatever relationships they are are always changing and you kind of can't really be complacent about that and if you do really care about someone or want someone in your life you have to you have to always work at it don't you
1: yes you do and i think but it's very complicated with a child because some relationships are very difficult because of serious mental health issues mm. or difficulties or crime, and how how you work your way around that. I mean, I have a friend who's who's got a son who's in some very very difficult situations, and how you work through that. Yeah. I just don't know. Yeah, but I guess you never want to get as a parent. You never want to give up.
0: Yeah,
1: and you just don't.
0: Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um cool so i think that's a nice note to leave it on yeah never want to give up all right thank you mum. thank you very much thanks for listening to another episode of the learning to be podcast as always if you enjoyed this episode please 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 rate review and subscribe in apple podcasts i am also going to find the time amongst um, baby and life and everything to get this podcast up onto another platform for Android. Um, so yeah, that will be coming soon. And please join me next week for another episode of